Welcome back to the Investing on the Go podcast brought to you by Fun Caliber. Climate change is one of the biggest challenges we face as a society, and it's spurring rapid innovation across sectors. Today's guests seek to invest in this wave of innovation by investing in key themes such as sustainable food and water, sustainable construction, and electrification. I'm Stacey West, and today I'm joined by Francesco Conte and Sara Belenda, co-managers of the JPM Climate Change Solutions Fund. Thank you both for joining me. Thank you, Stacey. Now, I just want to start with a quick overview of the strategy because this fund has launched uh, recently, June 2021. So it's probably still new to a lot of our listeners. So if we can just start with a little bit of an overview, this fund actually combines artificial intelligence and human insight to identify the companies developing innovative solutions, which is in itself interesting. So can you briefly just tell us more about this? How does it work in practice and translate into the fund? Yeah, so perhaps if we stand back a little bit and just say, what is the aim of the fund? Um, the aim of the fund is really to invest in those companies that provide, uh, should we say, the tools that the world will need um, in order to decarbonize in, in large part. Um, and, and hence, the, the emphasis is really on the solutions to the problem of climate change. So the question then is, you know, how do we go about finding these companies? Because it's, you know, it, it, companies do not report uh, solutions for the problem of climate change. Um, and so the question is, how do we go and scour the world and, and look at thousands of companies to try and find these companies? And, and what we use is, is an internally developed artificial intelligence uh, data tool um, which allows us to do that. It allows us to scan 15,000 companies worldwide and come up with a sort of probability, a ranking by probability that these companies are likely to be involved or have a solution for the problem of climate change. We obviously do a lot more work. So in practice, once we look at these, let's say we focus on the top 300, um, we will then, of course, look at each single one in much greater detail, uh, initially ourselves, but also with our sustainable investing team, together also with about 100 analysts that we have worldwide, um, to really understand whether they really these companies really are providing a solution to the problem of climate change, and to what extent, because obviously in what extent is, is an important uh, part of the question. So that, that's roughly the process. Um, you know, once we've identified these companies, then obviously we move on to the second component, which is, let's call it financial. Is this a good investment? Um, and there, you know, we make use of our internal research um, in, in order to come up with a portfolio, you know, and, and, and it's a sort of best ideas portfolio. So it's roughly 50 to 60 stocks somewhere there, uh, thereabouts. And when you're looking at this list of companies, are you looking to target decarbonization specifically, or are you looking for companies that are looking to adapt to this changing world through perhaps research and technology, or is it a mix? So it, it's, it's largely um, a mix of different things. So I think one thing that came out of both the IRA um, and the EU Green Deal is that 
efficiency, energy efficiency, resource efficiency really more widely. You know, if we don't consume a plastic bottle, we don't have to worry about recycling it. Um, so uh, companies that, that, that help us um, to become much more efficient feature uh, very highly in our fund. Um, you know, so companies uh, that, uh, for example, in the electrification, electrification uh, you know, we need spades and shovels in order to take that renewable energy uh, from the, whatever, the offshore field so that we can use it in our electric home at home. Um, so things like uh, companies involved in, um, in, in providing software for the grid, uh, high voltage cables, um, micro inverters, all the things that you need in order to either produce that renewable energy or to be able to transport it and finally use it. So we use that kind of uh, that, that, that kind of approach. Uh, it's really the spades and shovels that we need in order to, to replace fossil fuels on the one hand, but also to use less of them on the other hand. So all, all of these ideas are then grouped into what you have as your five main themes. So we don't unfortunately have time to go into all of these themes. So I'm just going to highlight two that I personally find interesting because that's one of the joys of writing the questions I get to pick. And um, the first one that I wanted to talk about is sustainable food and water. I believe that this encompasses both food and clean water, but also agriculture. Um, and looking through your presentation, agriculture was something like a quarter of global greenhouse gas emissions. So maybe tell us more about this theme, what it looks in practice, and perhaps the agriculture side of things. Yes. So precisely, food, water, and agriculture is one of the big uh, pillars in, in the in the themes that we take care of that we look at. And so, starting with water, uh, this is obviously as a resource that is scarce and that we need to preserve. And we're really interested in finding the companies that take care and are developing the technologies and innovate in order to preserve and recycle and reuse water. One of the companies that we found early on, um, pretty much we've, we've been involved in since the, uh, the launch of the fund is Evoqua. Um, and this is uh, a company that basically focuses in purifying water to a, a great fine detail that is required across a number of industry applications. It can be in pharmaceutical, in, in the, in the uh, consumer goods, in the food industries, um, in the chemical industries, and so on. So the spread of clients for this solution is very diversified. This company has actually been, earlier this year, taken over by another uh, water infrastructure player called Silent. Um, and so we've also generated alpha by holding on to this company. And the features that we really like here is the visibility of the contracts that are then so that, that allow us to generate steady, steady returns. Moving on to agriculture, here there are a variety of industries and technologies that are really exciting. And basically, it's all about helping the farmer to work more efficiently with the use of their land, but also across 
all the tools that they have. So this, the companies that I'm thinking about are Deere and CNHI that are at the front of investing in future technology called precision agriculture to allow the farmers to essentially make more money and working more efficiently by using less labor, which is obviously very hard to resource, using less pesticide, because with this machine, you can precisely aim at the plant or the crop that definitely needs um, pesticide, but not the whole uh, land. And therefore, it just makes a lot of sense for the utilization, better use of efficiency for the farmers. And it makes a lot of sense also because these companies are leaders and they're cash flow, cash flow generative. So they make money today and they can invest in the future technologies. And AI here will actually catapult the innovation even further. So we're quite excited about this space. It's not necessarily something that we hear about a lot, precision uh, agriculture. Is that still in its kind of infancy or is it just people aren't talking about it um, as much? Or is it still kind of a new area of this technology that you're seeing? I think that obviously the companies are talking about it, but it's still in the infancy in terms of pictures of kind of like uh, um, the rollout into, 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 into the business. Another unique area that, again, we don't really get to talk about a lot is sustainable construction. Now, governments are really embracing this idea of net zero buildings. So can you just tell the listeners a bit more about the innovation in this area, but then also where the opportunities come through for the fund within the construction uh, sector? Sure. Obviously, uh, indeed, buildings consume a, a lot of energy throughout the cycle. And so the biggest opportunity in terms of decarbonizing building lies into retrofitting, which is where uh, a, a lot of capex can go towards a good cause. Um, but also, uh, it's, I'm talking about insulating building. I'm talking about the overall infrastructure for cooling and heating, so ventilation and heat pumps. And, you know, we can further develop it into commercial as opposed to residential, the different technologies that goes all, all around the building. We don't really classify solar panels also in the sustainable construction, but it also goes all around electrifying the building. Building management systems are also key. Um, so all of these are technologies and innovations that are already existing and are easy to implement. Of course, retrofitting buildings can be time-consuming, and it requires building permits, etc. cetera. Um, but it, it, it's all very doable um, within a time frame that is, if you like, uh, required by, uh, by, by, by the policy makers. Um, the part that is perhaps a little bit more uh, challenging that does require time is in the overall construction when it comes to well, building new buildings. Obviously, these consume energy. Um, but also the materials um, that, that are required for, for um, new buildings are still having to be completely decarbonized. So there are certain companies that are already at the forefront, at the forefront of this. So, for example, we like Sika, which is uh, developing, um, if you like, additives for making cement less carbon intense. Um, and so there are already ways to improve the 
the, the, the overall building system, which we call modern methods of construction. But definitely, there's, there's more. There's there's more to do, and of course, the great connection with the buildings is 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 what what's key to make a building completely net zero. So more and more to do, but also a lot of technology technologies and a lot of uh, companies that are already kind of like uh, um, inexistent and making a difference today. It's maybe worth adding um, at, at this point that. Um, you know, what Sarah is describing are really companies that are providing products that at the end of the day save their customers money. Because either your, uh, your tractor is producing more on the land, um, or, for example, you know, you can save 30% of your energy bill in a building. So a lot of these solutions at the end of the day, um, you know, they're not selling them because you know, because people's priority may be to reduce their CO two footprint, but really people's priority is to save money. Um, by saving money in areas like energy efficiency, you are effectively having a very beneficial impact in terms of your CO two emissions. And also a real overlap of the themes in this fund then. I mean, I know we, we don't have time to, to talk about all of them, but you know, you have recycling, you have energy efficiency, for example, which has come up in the two other themes that we did highlight. Um, and so when you're looking at these as a, as a bigger picture, there is this overlap of the themes and how they interact with each other, um, which is potentially something we can get into in a different interview. But one of the things that I did really want to talk about, and you kind of, we touched on a little bit already, is that an interesting uh, part of the climate change solutions is that they're typically in their early stages or potentially don't even exist yet. So how do you approach these early stage companies and technologies and then does this mean that the fund has kind of a favor or a bias towards small and mid cap? That's a pretty good question. And, uh, you know, it's a question that, that you know, we, we, we confront on a daily basis. Um, and I think the way we kind of think about it is, you know, in technology, you, you often refer to the S curve. So the, 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 it's a rate of adoption. Um, and clearly, when you launch a new product, the rate of adoption is very low. And then it's like an S, it speeds up and it goes, demand goes vertical. You know, like, for example, artificial intelligence at the moment, you know, it's just ramping up really fast. And we can say that in our sector, right? So, you know, if you look at, for example, solution like hydrogen or solution like carbon capture, a solution like vertical farm, you know, they really capture the imagination. Um, you know, and we could probably find startups that have... 100% exposure to the theme. Um, and this is very often people say, oh, you know, what is your exposure to the theme? Uh, 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 and it's actually not 100%. And the reason it's not 100% is because if it were 100%, it would probably mean that we're investing in companies like hydrogen that today have such tiny markets. You know, hydrogen companies usually have sales of, I don't know, a few million dollars. Um, so even though we have 100% compliance with the theme, we'd actually have very little impact on the environment. Where we really want to make an impact, and you, you said it in the question, is really to say, well, in an ideal world, you know, we would not 
use heating in the house. Um, you know, we would uh, um, not uh, use cars. Um, in an ideal world, there are many things we would not do in, in, in ideal in, in terms of uh, climate change solutions. But we live in the real world. Uh, and people are going to live in a building and they want it to be heated and they want to have uh, creature comforts and so on. So what we're looking for really are those companies that are at the forefront of their technologies. Again, whether it's in agriculture, whether it's in electrification, whether it's building technologies, etc., they're really pushing the boundaries of the R&D and making those heat pumps more and more and more efficient. So products that perhaps 10 years ago, for example, solar energy 10 years ago, um, was quite an expensive technology. Today, it's the cheapest source of energy in the world. And, and we'll keep getting cheap. So those, the majority of our investments really are, um, I would say, in these companies that are, are global companies, dominant, um, and the reason that they're dominant is because they are making the best technologies for saving the most energy, for produce, enabling the farmer to produce 30% more crops with the same uh, cost base, etc. Um, those are the companies that we're investing in. And, you know, you may say, well, hang on, but 100% of their sales are not dedicated to climate change solutions. But it's, you know, a very large portion of their sales, and because their sales are big, it's making a huge impact on the environment today. Um, so that, that's really what we're looking for. We are keeping an eye out on these new newer technologies that, by the way, will make a huge difference in the years to come, like hydrogen is probably going to be a very big player at some point. Um, but at the moment, you know, they're still loss-making. They're still burning a lot of cash. Um, and we need to see manufacturing costs really reduce uh, in order to, 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 to sort of commit capital to these industries. I should perhaps make one caveat that obviously government policies, both sides of the Atlantic, both in the US and in Europe, are really going to be trying to encourage these new technologies going forward, as well as some of these more established technologies to encourage us to you know, make our buildings more efficient, et cetera. So there is going to be government support uh, that will hopefully speed up the technological progress of these technologies even more, making them you know, investable in, in a few years' time. One of the technologies that you you mentioned and I wanted to touch on as well was carbon capture technology. Can you just give us a little bit of background? Tell us more about it. What um, kind of where you see that going in the future? Because I believe it's on the upward scale of that S that you you mentioned earlier and being um, uh, integrated. So can you tell us more about that? So carbon capture. Um, it is it, still in the early part of, of the S-curve you know, in the adoption. And the reason is because it's quite expensive to go. Now, carbon capture will play an important role um, in, in, in climate change strategies. And the reason is that there are certain industries, for example, like the cement industry, um, that are going to find it really hard to decarbonize. 
Um, one, they use a huge amount of energy, but of course, some of this energy could become renewables, etc. So that's part of the equation is not the major problem. But the major problem is you actually produce greenhouse gases in uh, being let out of, of, the, of, of the concrete as it's produced. Um, and therefore, the idea of carbon capture is, as the name says, is you're actually capturing the carbon. Um, and then it would be stored, presumably, in deep wells under the sea floor, for example, or it could be in, 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 in mountains, etc. Um, but again, those the, the costs today are, are really quite expensive. Um, and so there's still a lot more to be done on the R&D side before um, these products reach what, you know, what we might call grid parity um, so that they're competitive. Thank you. Um, now, I wanted to finish on the weather, which is very um, British, but um, my parents were over visiting and they told me that the the ocean temperature in Florida hit over 100 degrees, which is about 37 uh, Celsius. And in fact, checking them because I thought they were just trying to wind me up. Um, I actually read that the month of July was hotter for four out of the five people globally, despite not having them here in England, there, there have been loads of heat waves. And um, I guess my question is, is that these, these heat waves, are they evidence that climate change is speeding up? And do we really just need to adapt that life is changing? Because I don't know about you, but a hundred degree water doesn't exactly seem refreshing um, when it's equally as hot outside. Um, I um, I'm from uh, Italy. From I was raised in Italian Alps, so for me the metric is not so much the water temperature, uh, but the degree of uh, the pace of melting of the glaciers. And so every time I go back home every summer, I can actually see the difference from previous years, and I compare pictures from 20 years ago and so on. Um, and it's frightening to see that uh, even this year we did have at 3,800 meter high, uh, the zero degree, meaning that this has been zero or a higher temperature for the glaciers to melt. Um, this, this is kind of like, obviously, frightening has been happening for a number of years. It has accelerated somewhat. Um, and, um, and, and, and I think it's just not something that we should bluntly accept. Um, we can do something about it. We can adapt and we can kind of like improve uh, the lifestyle as, as consumers and we can adopt all these solutions and we can, and we can change um, to be more prepared uh, for the future, both as consumer, as I said, and as investor. So it's actually quite exciting and it's not all about accepting, but um, being ready for it. Well, unfortunately, we have to leave it there. But thank you both so much for joining me today and talking through so many different facets of the portfolio and what's happening in climate change solutions. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Thank you. The JPM Climate Change Solutions Fund is a high-conviction thematic portfolio. One notable advantage of this fund lies in its freedom from geographical, sectoral, and market capitalization constraints. This unique flexibility empowers its managers to explore a broader spectrum of opportunities, as we've heard in this interview. And to learn more about the JPM Climate Change Solutions Fund, please visit fundcaliber.com. 
Please remember, we've been discussing individual companies to bring investing to life for you. It's not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not still hold these companies at the time of listening. Elite ratings are based on Fund Caliber's research methodology and are the opinion of Fund Caliber's research team only. 